Hello and welcome to worship. This morning we've just heard a dramatised version of the story of the road to Emmaus, just one of the many journeys that we read in Luke's Gospel. When you read the writings of Luke, he frequently takes us on the road, as he does in this passage. For Luke, it would appear that journeys are really important in telling the story of Jesus. It was a journey that brought Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. A road was the setting for the parable of the Good Samaritan. A road led the prodigal back home to his father. Jesus resolutely set his way, his eyes, towards Jerusalem in Luke chapter 9 and travelled there throughout most of the Gospel and finally arrived in chapter 19 when he arrives there with palm branches and on the back of a colt, the Palm Sunday story as we know it. The roads continue in Luke's book of Acts, where, for instance, Paul encountered the risen Jesus on his way to Damascus. There is something about travel that evokes Luke's literary and theological imagination. There is something about roads, the way roads bring us together, the way roads compose a danger to us all, the way roads become a symbol of faith on the move. Let's take a closer look at the Emmaus Road story as Luke tells it. Firstly, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. It was about a seven-mile journey from Jerusalem. We don't know why they were going there. We're not told that. We don't know who they are. But we know they were going on a journey. They were talking together about the events of the last few days. Talking, as you often do when you go out walking. It's a good time to work out your thoughts and your worries and talk through all sorts of issues. We often go for a walk to put the world to rights. And then there was this strange occurrence. Luke tells us that, that this stranger joined them, Jesus. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Now the rational part of me wants to know how this worked. How could they not recognize him? They'd spent years with him. They'd spent his ministry with him. They'd watched him die on a cross. How could they not recognize him? I'm afraid Luke doesn't help us out with this. He just tells us that their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And so the conversation ensues. What are you talking about? Jesus asked. Are you the only one here that hasn't heard? It's all over the news. It's gone viral. It's all over the internet, Twitter, whatever else you can think of. It's gone viral. This Jesus that was crucified, died, and, 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 and it was, it's, it's all over. It's all over the news. And they began to tell the story of how they had followed this man called Jesus, how he had been arrested and tried and sentenced to death. After his death, some of the women in his group went to the tomb. They were shocked to see the tomb was empty. They said they saw an angel who had told them he was not dead, but he was alive. 
but they hadn't seen him. They'd hoped that they had, and that he was the one, and this was they were speaking truth. The stranger spoke to them and said, Don't be so foolish, and to believe what the prophet said about the Messiah, his suffering and his dying. And then something strange happened again in the story. If you read it carefully, it says the stranger walked on and quote, as if he were going on. But they invited him in to come back and eat. That was the tradition. You invite people in, you have hospitality, you give hospitality, radical hospitality. Zedekah is the word in the Hebrew for hospitality to strangers. But it was at that point where Jesus did something a little unconventional. He broke bread in front of them. He took the bread. He blessed it. Not the hosts, not the people inviting him, which would be traditionally what would happen. Jesus took the bread and broke it. And it was at that point that it was as if the shutters disappeared. They recognized him. Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road? While he was opening the scriptures to us, they said, they saw Jesus, the risen Christ. The story is one of a journey. But I think it's also a bit of a metaphor for our own faith journey. Let's take a moment to see if we can position ourselves in this story and what it might say to us. You might be one who thought you had the whole thing worked out. Faith seems so simple, so straightforward. But now, in the light of everything that's happened, you're not so sure. Be assured that Jesus is walking beside you in this journey. Perhaps you've been trying to make sense of the events of our time making sense of the suffering that has happened during this terrible time. Perhaps you or your friends or your family are really struggling physically, financially, or even emotionally. Be assured that Jesus is walking beside you in this journey. Or perhaps you are fortunate enough to see through all of this and recognize God's hand in everything. You have seen the risen Lord yourself, and in the breaking of bread, you have seen the face of Jesus. Be assured that Jesus is walking with you in this journey. Or perhaps you never even left the city. You're just beginning to consider what this journey might mean for you. You're just beginning to think about what the risen Christ is saying to you. You're not even sure if you believe in the risen Christ. It might seem like fiction to you. Be assured that Jesus is walking beside you, even in this journey. Wherever you are, the really important thing is that you are on that journey and that you know that Jesus is right there with you. Even if you perhaps don't recognize him, he might seem hidden from you. A brief word about the breaking of bread. 
I mentioned a little earlier about this importance of hospitality and the breaking of bread, opening the eyes of the disciples. It's clear from Luke's gospel that Jesus liked his food, a man after my own heart, I would say. Jesus is at most, and uh, Jesus is most comfortable. Jesus is most Jesus at an ordinary, uh, that doesn't make sense. I'm going to stop for a second. Jesus is most at home in an ordinary meal infused with significance because of the people gathered around the food. Jesus is there at this table. But so also are the sinners and the tax collectors and the undesirable people whom Jesus shared meals with. At this table are many powerful people as well, people whom Jesus also dined with. But in this story, at this moment, Jesus revealed himself to these two disciples. They had heard news of the risen Christ. Now they had experienced the risen Christ. If you look at this story and you look at the language of it, it's a story of movement. It actually contains nine verbs describing movement. The two men are going to Emmaus. Jesus came near and went with them. They came near. Jesus walked ahead of them. He went in to stay with them. He vanished from their sight. And they got up and returned to Jerusalem. Some of the verbs tell of movements made by Jesus. Others tell of the two men. Either way, both Jesus and his followers are on the move. But it's not movement for its own sake. The move being made has a purpose. Its purpose is to tell the story of Jesus, to interpret it. Its purpose is to have fellowship, communion with Jesus and with others. And its purpose is to share its good news with everyone else. That is what it means to be church. There is a poem by an American poet, Robert Frost, who lived until 1963. In it he talks about two roads and how he chose the other path, the one less worn. In the poem, he describes the thought process about which road to take. This is just one of the verses. Two, two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry, I could not travel both. And be one traveller, long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to, to where it bent in the undergrowth. Whenever I chance upon this poem, it reminds me so much of the choice of path I make. It would be easy to take the simple, more worn path, the one most travelled. If I try and think ahead, it would be easy for me and for us as a church to jump back onto that well-worn path, the one that we know so well. But I can't help thinking that the other path, the one less travelled, as Robert Frost writes it, 
is the exciting one, the one where the new adventures lie, where God can challenge us further. There are some merit in saying we will walk both paths, but if we choose the correct path, I don't believe we'll want to even need to look back. As Frost puts it, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubt it if I ever should come back. The last verse of the poem is the one that I find most inspiring. I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one less travelled by, and that has made all the difference. I took the one less travelled by, and that has made all the difference. The first friends of Jesus looked back and told the amazing stories of his death and resurrection. But they also journeyed forwards. They took the road less travelled by and they were led into new ways, new adventures to tell the glorious story of Christ risen and triumphant. As we emerge from our lockdown lives, maybe it's a good time to look ahead to new paths individually and as a church. I feel as though we're standing at a point where two roads diverge, as the poet described it. Let's take time to look and pray and choose the path we believe to be right for now and for the future, rather than focus on the road that we have always travelled. Let's remember that when we choose the path, we do so knowing that Jesus walks with us just as he did with those two friends on the Emmaus Road. My prayer this Easter season is that we don't hang on to what is past, but we look at what is past as a kind of prism to help us prepare for what is to come on this exciting journey. We look at what God has prepared for us on the road less travelled, for if we have learned anything from the Easter story, then we should know that Christ will be there on the path, walking, talking, laughing, joking, leading us on, just as he did the disciples on the Emmaus Road. Amen. <laughs>